from Studio C136. This is One Hour School Live! All right, welcome into another episode of One Hour School Wide. This is Mr. Mertz. Hope you're doing well this afternoon or this morning or this evening. Um, got another uh, full set of student segments coming your way in just a few minutes. Uh, but before we do that, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, my common topic this fall, and that is the University of Oklahoma football team. And OU has hired a head coach. They hired uh, my choice, a person that I thought who had been my choice, as I said in a previous episode for the last few years now, anytime there was a rumor of Lincoln Riley leaving, I first thing that came to my mind was Brent Venables, and that is who Joe Castiglione and the Oklahoma you know, uh, University of Oklahoma hired for head football coach. Um, I think uh, there were a lot of people excited. Um, if you looked at uh, it, well, if you watched uh, when he landed in Norman at the regional airport, not the major airport in Oklahoma City, but at the regional airport in Norman, uh, there was a crowd of, uh, I think, about 500 people, 500 fans. A lot of them were students uh, waiting for him to get off the airplane. And uh, there's a lot of excitement going forward uh, with Brent. Um, a lot of good memories of him being on the staff back in the early 2000s when uh Oklahoma had top five defenses uh, year in and year out. Um, maybe not the best exit that he had from OU at the uh, end of his tenure. What was I think it's 2011. It was one of those situations, uh, or, or the situation was uh, Mike Stoops, which was Bob Stoops' brother, was uh, fired from the head coaching position in Arizona, and he came back and started to work with the OU defense. And uh, at the end of, I think, the 2011 season, Bob announced that uh, Mike and Brent would be co-defensive coordinators again, so kind of a demotion for Brent. And uh, he ended up leaving and going to Clemson, where Clemson's defense has basically lit the world on fire for about 10 years now. So I think Brent Venables knows what he's doing when it comes to uh, coaching defense and uh, He's never been a head coach before, so that that was kind of my only hang-up for me uh, when he was, uh, you know, being talked about as a candidate for this position. Um, part of me wants somebody that's been a head coach before, but a bigger part of me wants somebody that knows the program and wants to play defense the way he, the way we used to play defense when he was a part of the team. So I'm I'm really excited about the hire going forward. Um, most of the offensive staff is being retained. Um, most of the defensive staff, though, is is, is turning over, which is which kind of weird because uh, Lincoln Riley was an offensive guy, and uh, you think when he went to USC that most of the offensive staff would go with him, but it turns out that most of the defensive staff has went with him, and the most of the offensive staff stayed at OU. Uh, Demarco Murray is staying. Uh, Bill Beatenbo is staying, Kel Gundy is staying, and uh, missing one. Who am I missing here? Maybe that's it. Is that it? Maybe that's it. Is staying. Uh, I think there's somebody else in there that I'm missing. But uh, 
the offensive staff staying, uh, they have, OU has hired, and it just was announced about an hour ago on Twitter, but it's kind of been known for a couple days now that uh, the offensive coordinator will be Jeff Lebby, um, former offensive coordinator at Ole Miss, who's had really good offenses in the last couple years with him. And before that, he was at uh, UCF with Josh Heupel, another OU alum, and uh, had really good offenses there too, albeit maybe some lesser competition. Um, I think Levy is an OU alum. I am I, kind of confused on what happened. I think he signed with OU to play football in the early 2000s, and maybe he was injured and didn't didn't actually play any football, but was like a graduate assistant at OU for a while. So I'm definitely excited about that hire. I think that hire can uh, keep Caleb Williams on the team. I think that offense that Jeff Levy likes to run, if you've watched Old Miss this year with Matt Corral, um, I think that's an offense that uh, Caleb Williams could feel re- really comfortable in and really successful in. So I, at this point, I kind of think Caleb Williams will stick around, hopefully, at least for maybe a year and next year and see how it goes. And then if it doesn't go well and he doesn't mess mesh with uh, Levy's offensive scheme, then I could see him transferring. But I, I think it, I think he'll mesh pretty well with it. So um, defense coordinator was just announced today too, and it's uh, Ted Roof. And I have no idea who that is. I looked him up on uh, Twitter or looked him up on Google and Wikipedia, and I guess he's been defensive coordinator at Vanderbilt and has been at Auburn for a while and has been an analyst at uh, Clemson for the last couple of years. So I don't know who that is. Um, let's just say, uh, I mean, for certain that uh, OU, OU Twitter has been really excited about Venables and Levy, and they are not as excited about Roof. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but I really don't know who he is, so I, I don't know if I can really make a decision or not. My hope was that, uh, and what I kind of had pictured was that uh, Venables would hire a, a younger uh, defensive coordinator that had his own scheme but could also uh, be kind of molded into uh, what Venables likes to run. And, you know, since Venables was probably the best defensive coordinator in the country and somebody that he could kind of mold into – into a protege, but uh, that is not what has happened. Uh, at least I don't think that's what's happening. From what it seems like, uh, Roof has his own is a little older, older of a gentleman, and probably not somebody that uh, Venables is going to try to groom or you know be a be a mentor for. So uh, that doesn't mean it can't work, though. It doesn't mean it won't work. Um, so we'll see where that goes going forward. Um, a lot of OU players are opting out for the bowl game, and I understand a lot of them are seniors, and uh, some of them, you know, have a chance to go pro. So um, Isaiah Thomas opted out today. Uh, Perion Winfrey has opted out. Nick Benito has opted out. Uh, Brian Osamoa has opted out. So those are guys on uh, on the defense that are opting out and going pro on offense. Uh, not so many opt-outs, but just transfers and people that are in the portal, like Austin Stogner, a tight end. Uh, Jaden Hazelwood has uh, transferred to Arkansas. Theo Weiss is also in the portal. Um, I'm hoping with the addition of Levy that OU can get back, uh, can get Austin Stogner, or probably more important, uh, Theo Weiss out of the portal and back onto the OU team. Um, I think there's still a, still a chance to kind of grab some of those guys out of the portal um, that that just wanted to explore and see what was out there. Maybe they'll find their way back to Norman, hopefully. 
Um, I'm actually going to go to the bowl game on the 29th of December, so I'm really excited about that. Um, my brother and I and his uh, fiance and my wife are going to go to the bowl game um, versus Oregon. So that'll be fun. Um, haven't really been to a football game with my brother in, man, probably 15 years or more. So uh, I'm probably a little bit of a different person than I was the last time I went to a football game with him. So he, my, his eyes may be maybe awoken to my true feelings of uh, college football, but uh, I think I'll be all right. He knows me pretty well, uh, but we're excited to go to San Antonio and hang out with each other since we don't really get to hang out much anymore since we're adults and he lives in Oklahoma and I live down here in Houston. Uh, so we're excited about that. I'm, I'd be more excited if uh, if the defensive players that I mentioned earlier weren't opting out of the game and playing. Uh, now, Oregon, they, they have opt-outs too, so it's not – necessarily going to be a full strength Oregon team versus, you know, OU's backups. Um, it's probably going to be, you know, a team of 75% versus a team of 75%. So uh, I'm still really excited to go. I think uh, OU has a lot to gain if they can win the game and get some momentum going forward, especially with so much, uh, so much negativity and, and this, you know, change that has happened to the program in the last, uh, you know, what, 10 days, two weeks, however many days it's been. Um, excited to see Bob coach um, for one more time, I guess. And uh, it'd be awesome to get him another win, uh, especially against Oregon. And I don't know how many people are familiar with OU's history with Oregon, but I think it was 2006, maybe it was 2005, OU went to Oregon. And uh, there was a very controversial onside kick call where um, Oregon got the ball on an onside kick, yet they didn't even recover the ball. And there's a picture of an OU player holding the ball while there's a pile of OU and Oregon players behind him. And he's holding the ball in the air and the officials awarded the ball to Oregon. And it was one of the worst, I mean, blunders of officiating you've ever witnessed and i'm sure it's on youtube somewhere if you want to google it uh, you should check it out it's it's no matter what team you're rooting for whether you hate or you or don't hate or you um it was like what just happened and then uh oregon got the ball and scored and uh beat OU in that game so it'd be cool to see bob get some revenge in that way uh just cool to see bob get another win for the university he's done so much for the university and for that team and still is so uh oh you sit in the recruiting trail um now that they have uh, coordinators i expect them to try to steal some uh, 22 recruits uh the deadline the signing early signing period is coming up very soon so um there's some offers already going out to guys now that we've had a bunch of now that ou's had a bunch of people uh, decommit so um it'll be interesting to see where ou's uh, 22 class ends up uh in the recruiting rankings after signing day and then it'll be interesting to see what happens with the 23 class going forward all right. Um, last thing is that I want to invite all the listeners to um, we are doing a college football pick em on ESPN. Um, totally free and it's just for fun. Um, but it's a uh, bowl mania. And if you want to join our group, you're more than welcome to. Um, but it's it's me and all the guys from uh, one hour school wide. 
and our group is called uh, OHSW. If you just search for OHSW, one hour school-wide initials, OHSW, you will find our group and you can join our group and make your picks and see how you do uh, against me and the rest of the members of one hour school-wide. So come play, come play Bowl Mania with us. All right. Well, I want to uh, thank you guys for listening, and here come our student segments. Hello, this is The Real Football, and I'm your host for today, Andrea Ermoli. Today, we will, today we will be talking about Champions League games and Serie A predictions. All right, so first game we have uh, in uh, Champions League uh, was uh, RB Leipzig versus Man City. And uh, actually kind of surprising, Leipzig won 2-1, and Man City got a red card. Um, interesting game overall. Any opinions? Yeah, I mean, Man City should have won that, and they got a red card, so that's interesting. Yeah. That's, oh, Kyle Walker. Yeah. Okay. okay, next up we have PSG versus Club Bruges. I mean, not really a surprise. PSG four, Club Bruges one. Yeah, I mean, we all know what's going to happen in that game, but yeah. Right, Messi did score two goals as well as Mbappe, so it's a pretty good game for both of them. Yeah. So next we have Ajax versus Sporting, and Ajax won four two. I mean, I'm not too surprised on the Ajax has been doing actually kind of kind of well. So and Sporting yeah. just. They don't have yeah, it. I mean, they they won their group stage. Yeah. But what's surprising is that uh, Dortmund didn't win their group stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, they have the same. Yeah. Yeah. By, by goal differential because they tied in points. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have uh, Porto versus uh, Atletica. Um, Atletica won three one, and they both got red cards. Actually, interesting. Um, I mean, I'm not too, too surprised that they won. Just kind of interesting game. Interesting game. Yeah. There's actually three red cards from that game. So three. Oh, yeah. Wow. And actually, interesting, uh, Porto had uh, more possession. Like, yeah. a lot more. 68 versus 32. No, the shots were actually uh, 14 and 14. So yeah. It was, a, it was a fair game. Just to let it go finish their chances more than... Yeah, yeah. Glad to see it. Okay, next up we have Real Madrid versus Inter. Two goals on Real Madrid, zero for Inter. I mean, I'm happy for Real Madrid. Yeah, same, you know, from a Real uh, fan. Good to see, good to see. Yeah, I mean, disappointing for Inter because, I mean, they're, uh, I think, uh, second or third in the Serie A right now, and they're doing pretty good. But, you know, they should have won that since Real Madrid isn't doing that good. Uh, this right, right. And also, um, Nicolo Barella did get a red card for Ooh. punching somebody in the leg after he thought it was a foul from one of the Real Madrid defenders. Um, next, we have uh, Milan versus Liverpool. Disappointing game, but uh, Liverpool won 2 1. I'd say it was a great I game. Really, I mean, yeah, not really a surprise. Milan's not that good. <laughs> Yeah, Mil- <laughs> Mil- Milan's just not not no, not good enough. We should have won that. Yeah. Okay. 
And that also, I think that makes Milan uh, fourth in the group, which means they don't even go to uh, Europa League or playoffs. Yeah. And Atalanta's playing right now. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens with that. 29th minute at the moment and still 0-1. Oh, well. Anyways, next up we have uh, Shakir Donetsk versus Sheriff. Um, not, not too surprising of a game, 1-1. I mean... Both kind of bad teams, so yeah. I just wish Sheriff pulled the win. <laughs> Go Sheriff. Just for the memes. Yeah. 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 We all do. We all do. <laughs> okay, next up we got Dortmund versus Vizquitas. 5 0. This that's not, was. That's not surprising, though. I mean, it's Dortmund. Yeah. I just kind of funny. Wow, the, the shots is 29 to 1. That's the ratio. That's. All in got. Two goals, which is really good in his yeah. career right now. Because you know, something no, that is surprising is that Dorman's not even going to make it to the eliminations. Yeah. Right, they score five goals in one game and still don't win on goal differential. It's very surprising. Yeah, that's that's it's because Sporting uh, scored two against Ajax. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next we have uh, Zenit versus Chelsea, which is uh, this was it, it, interesting. Um, three three, I think. I think. I don't know. I don't know. Chelsea, Chelsea wasn't trying because they already qualified, but yeah. I mean, they they didn't want to injure their good players. So then and y'all made fun of me when Juventus didn't try against Chelsea and they lost. <laughs> <laughs> Double standards. Uh, yeah, I mean, good good good. Uh, Good game from Zenit, but I mean, not too too surprising. Why would Chelsea, you know, try to like risk injuring their players now? All right, next game up, we have Juventus versus Malmo, which Juventus did win to top the group, and they won one zero with a goal with Moise Keane, which he doesn't score too often, but it was a really nice assist from Federico Bernadeschi. Kind of sad y'all didn't score more. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean it's, we weren't trying, as you guys I mean, said. No, yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's surprising because, I mean, Juventus, uh, they're not that strong this season because, I mean, 1-0 against Mama. And if you see all the other teams, like, blue Mama. So. All right, we have actually a fun fact. Um, Deventer, who I didn't actually know he played on Juventus, but he played a right back during this game. Um, he is the youngest ever player in the Champions League to start a match. Really? Yes. All right. Interesting. Uh, next up, we have uh, Benfica versus Dynamo Kiev. Benfica won two zero, and I can't say I'm surprised. I mean, Benfica is just simply the better team. Dynamo Kiev, some random team from Russia. Not too surprised. Oh, yeah. Okay. Next up, we got Wolfsburg versus Lille. Three one. Surprising to see that because the last matchup they had was a tie zero zero. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought Wolfsburg was gonna do better, but I guess they didn't. So. Yeah, I mean, Lille was uh won uh, last season against uh, PSG in League One. I mean, so yeah, I mean, that's the team I was rooting for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next we have Salzburg versus Sevilla. Salzburg won one zero. And uh, Sevilla got a red card. It's pretty sad. Oh, that was um, interesting, but yeah, I think Sevilla I mean, should have won. Better stats, though. 
I think Sevilla should have won, yeah, but yeah, and their possession was 67 to 33, so yeah, they should have won. They had like double the passes. Yeah. Right, and then the next game we have up is Man U versus <laughs> Boys, which was two amazing goals by both teams. Mark um, Mason Greenwood with an yeah, overhead yeah, kick right. that went in, and then and then the Young Boys goal was um, a giveaway by Donny Van de Beek, and then they finished in the. It was a really powerful shot just outside the box, and it was right in the top right corner. Yeah. What is it with Man United giving young boys easy goals? Like, I understand that their team wasn't really trying since they already made it, but kind of sad. Yeah. We had a uh, next up. We have uh, Bayern versus Barca, and uh, Bayern won three zero. I can't say I'm too surprised. I mean, Bayern's a really good team, so. Well, you know, it's an end of an era for Barcelona. I mean, they've they've been controlling soccer for a long time now, and yeah. to see them like drop down. To yeah, they've level, it's, it's yeah they've dropped bad. down, yeah. they've dropped down a lot. But and then, uh, last game we have it's just last, a live game. Yeah, last up we have Atalanta versus Villarreal. Right now we're in the thirty fourth minute. Villarreal is being the mono. Um. So now we're gonna go to Champions League. Uh, the you mean? First match, I mean, uh, Serie A. Yeah. Serie A, yeah. So uh, the first match we're going to talk about is uh, Genoa versus Sampdoria. So I, I actually think uh, Sampdoria is going to win this one since Genoa are in relegation. I'm going to have to agree with that. Yeah, it'll be a pretty good game, though. I mean, both are kind of yeah. not. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if any of, if any of y'all watched the Ventus game, their goalie, Salvatore Sirigu, had a spectacular game. He had a, a lot of saves for a goalie, I think. It, it was a really high-counting uh, game, which yeah. he was actually very lucky to only um, concede two goals. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I think I thought, I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Sampdoria, but we'll see. We'll see with that yeah. one. Uh, next we have Fiorentina versus Salernitana, and uh, you know Salernitana has been in relegation for a long time now. I think. Yeah, they have. They've been doing pretty bad. So I'd say Fiorentina is going to win this one. I think that's, yeah. Yeah, easy one for yeah. Fiorentina. I mean, since uh, their star striker is doing very good. I can't pronounce his name. Yeah, but uh, I, I think Fiorentina is going to win. I mean, Salonitana is just doing terrible. All right, next game we have up is Venetia versus Juventus. Um, I could say as a Juventus fan, Juventus is going to win. I'm fairly confident this is going to be a win for us. Um, Juventus have been doing pretty well so right now. And, yeah, we actually have a 69% chance of winning is the win probability. I want to see Venezia win anyway. I mean, yeah, me Venezia is kind of like, for example, they're weird, like, they're good, but then they just, like, drop. For example, in the yeah, Udinese game, they, were, they had a 3-0 lead, and they just lost it. But... Yeah, you know, I actually think Venezia is going to win because Juventus is going to put uh, Moise Keane instead of Dybala, or maybe both of them. And then Venezia is just going to play counter-attacking counter game. So, yeah. yeah. All right, next um, up we have uh, Udinese versus Milan. Uh, gonna... Milan, Milan is going to win, but just, just for laughs, I want Udinese to win, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the infamous team that no one can pronounce. I don't in... know. <laughs> the infamous... <laughs> I said 
Okay, um, okay. so I'd, I'd actually say a 3-0 win for Milan. 3-0? Okay, that's like, I mean, yeah, I'm two, 2 or 3-0, that's fair, that's fair. I can agree with Andrea with this one, 3-0. Yeah, 3-0. <laughs> Next up, we have Torino versus Bologna. Uh, I'd say Torino because uh, Bologna, I mean, they're doing okay. They're a mid-table team, but uh, Torino, I think they're doing pretty good right now. They're, uh, well, they were doing good. Now they're in 13th, but... Actually, if you guys watch any of the Torino games, Torino are, are really well, but then they just give away... Yeah, they just, like, give away easy games. But yeah. I, I'm going to go with Torino on this one. I, I hope it's Torino, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, next we have Verona versus Atalanta. You know, pretty easy match for Atalanta. I hope they don't win it, uh, because if they do, then uh, they're gonna be close to uh, to Milan in the in the standings if Milan doesn't win their game. But we will, and Atalanta will lose. So. Yeah, I thought Atalanta will win. Easy win, easy win. Yeah, like we'll have to four zero, four zero, four zero. I hope Atalanta doesn't win because then it's narrowing, um, it's making the gap a lot wider from Juventus to Atalanta. And Juventus is I agree with David. I agree with David. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, we have uh, Sassuolo versus Lazio. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Lazio is gonna win this one. Maybe two zero. Yeah, no, I think Lazio is gonna do well because Immobile has been doing really nice right now. Yeah. But, um, Sassuolo's having a really bad year this year because mm -hmm. they've been usually a top team. Like, yeah, they've not been really like, top team, yeah. but they've definitely been up there. And this year they've been slipping a lot. So yeah. Let's see what happens. So, uh, the next, and then the next game we have is Napoli versus Empoli. Um, this is a clear win for Napoli. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Empoli's not doing good at all this season. They're uh, we're 11, 11th right now, I mean, mid-table team, but they were, they were in relegation a, a few weeks ago, I think. And so, yeah, I think it's an easy win for Napoli, at least 3-0 with Insigne. Yeah. I yeah. want to see them climb back up, yeah. beat Milan. Yeah, I want to see that happen. That's not going to happen. <laughs> okay, next up we have Inter versus Cagliari. Uh, I think easy win for Inter. That's, yeah, that's like not even a... Yeah, I mean, Cagliari's not uh, doing that well right now. And Inter's, uh, they're in relegation, aren't they? Yeah, they are 18th. Yes, 18th. Okay, yes. Yeah, and Inter's second, so it's, it's kind yeah, of Yeah, it's not going to be. So, next game we have is Roma versus Spezia, and uh, I'd say Roma. I mean, Roma... They're they seventh right now, and Spezia's like 16th, so... Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Roma, too. It's just, I don't know, Roma... They they concede some very very stupid games that they should have won, but it's okay. It's okay, yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, that's gonna be it for today. This was the real football, and I was your host, Andrea Moli, David Luigi Camerlo, Borna Endrick, and Preston Padgett. Hello, welcome back to the European Soccer Report. Today's episode is brought to you by Federico Marotti, Blake Wilson, and Mitchell Chen.
Yeah, let's start by talking about Champions League because it was really big this week. Yeah, lots of um, big surprises. Also, right now there's a Atalanta Villarreal game. Yeah, they decide who's gonna go into the into the group. I mean, into the next stage. Yeah, because they postponed it due to the snow uh, yesterday. So it's today. Uh, today's the last match day, so we already know who's through. Uh, only one last game, as he said, Atlanta Villarreal to decide. And uh, we, the teams that went through are Man City, PSG, Liverpool, Atletico Madrid, Ajax, Sporting, Real Madrid, Inter, Bayern, Benfica, Man U, Lille, Salzburg, Juventus, and Chelsea. Uh, Group F still deciding, Villarreal, Atlanta. Um, but yes, we, we have most of the teams. Yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, never mind. Okay, wait. So, uh, well, let's talk about the matches that happened yesterday and also on the yeah. 7th. So, yeah. pretty surprising. Man United, be, um, Man United tied with Young Boys, even though that doesn't really affect it. It's just still a bit of surprise. Like, yeah, I'm not really surprised, but I mean, Man U was qualified first place. They didn't need anything. Yeah. But yeah, young boys really needed the win. They didn't get it, so they're out fourth place. Yeah. Um. Uh, so other than that, there was um, Leipzig beating Man City, which is yeah. pretty surprising. Same there though. Oh, Man City was first place already. Yeah. So. Yeah, one thing I want to add on top of what Fetty just said was that along with United and Young Bo- uh United and um, City, a lot of their these big teams like Liverpool, Atletico, teams that knew that they had secured the their spot in the and the playoffs, they didn't. Really Atletico, start their Atletico didn't. No, Atletico didn't know. Sorry to interrupt, but Atletico. Had to win that game to do it. No, yeah. because yes, no, 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 they had to. Yeah, because it was the last game. Yeah, but in the half, like half time, they subbed all their players out because they just did it. And then, along with, like I was saying, like Fetty was saying, uh, Atlanta Villarreal. It's a big game for both teams. Because I believe that the winner of the this game will go on to the playoffs. Yeah, um, Atalanta has to win. If they don't win, they get relegated to the Europa League. So, oh, also a huge shocker! For the first time in years, Barcelona does not make it to the knockout stage of the Champions League. I, it's a very big thing. What do you guys think? Yeah. Well, the Barcelona just really hasn't been doing that well this year. Like, like they were just falling before. And, like, losing Messi, I guess, was, like, basically the last straw. So I don't really know what we can expect from them in the next season. Yeah, no, they're in the Europa League. It's kind of weird to say seeing Barcelona in the Europa League. But, I mean, Barcelona fans are going to have to accept it. They've been winning for so long now. You can't always win every year, or else it gets kind of boring, so. Yeah. 
Um, anything else in the Champions League, or should we move on to Syria? Um, uh, oh yeah, well, one a couple more things. Uh, Zenit time to Chelsea. Pretty big surprise. Chelsea, uh, if they won, they would have a really good chance to get first place in the um in the group stage, but they tied. So I mean, but like still, they, they still had a guaranteed chance, even if they lost that game. Uh, no, they yeah, still I know. Advanced. I know, but I'm I'm just saying for first place, if they get first place, that's a pretty big advantage. Second place, second place teams. But I mean, it's um, not not nothing too tragic. Still, yeah. Down. Um, one thing I want to add before we close off our Champions League part, um, if you go over to the stats. Sebastian Haller with the most amount of goals, topping Lewandowski. That's a big shocker considering Ajax, I believe Ajax went 6 0. Am I wrong? I believe Wait, they went 6 0. Let me check. Oh, yeah, that's true. And also, I just want to point oh, this yeah, out. Oh, no, no, no. I, uh, yeah, Ajax went 6 0. I just want to point out Liverpool was the first English team to go undefeated in a Champions League group stage. That is, I mean, Liverpool is a good team, and wait, let me check the champ. I'm uh, Premier League real quick. Okay, Liverpool currently in the Premier League is oh, they're second, so they're a good team. Yeah, so, they're a good team. They so can I, be first. Yeah. Also, Milan didn't do that well in Group B, so yeah, Milan got last. I, I, I don't know if I expected them. To go through because it was a pretty hard group stage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, at least Europa League, but not even Europa League. So yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with Betty on the Milan one. They did have a very gr- tough group stage, so don't blame yeah. them for losing. They are doing good in Syria. And yeah, speaking so- of Syria, I want to move over to Syria. Yeah, sure. Okay, so Atalanta beating napoli that was huge that was really big win because they beat them in um atalanta beat them in naples didn't they yeah it was in naples which makes it even bigger now atalanta could actually go for the title i mean they're four points from first place so yeah. pretty big chance the top, there. the top four is very tight so yeah yeah Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to add is if you notice, Atlanta, like um, Fetty was saying, are doing very good. They uh, they have won their last five games, and Juventus isn't doing too bad themselves. They've won four of their last five. It's still have a bit catching up to do, considering they're 11th off from first place. But I can see Juventus pulling it off and coming back up this, pulling back up the ladder. Um, Roma yeah. is another team that we usually select to see up there. They're in seventh. Like Juventus, they do have a chance to get back up there, but we'll just see how they, it they suffered. Out. They suffered a pretty big loss against Inter on the fourth. Yeah, that was a huge defeat. I mean, you, I could see it coming because, yeah. you know, Inter are better. Roma's been going down lately, but 3-0, pretty big. Yeah. Not something that you'd see like in that top area. Um, you guys uh, have one more league? Actually, no, one more thing. Okay, wait. So there's something. Oh, yeah. So a big game's coming up in Syria. I don't really, I can't really see anything. Oh, there's a Milan Napoli game. So, yeah, in two weeks. 
Yeah. So yeah, that that'd be cool to look out for, I guess. Um. Yeah. Let's move on to what do you want to move on to? Aliga. Um. So first, what? So uh, I just want to open up Aliga real quick. Um. I know that um Real Madrid have been off been doing very well with five like um along with Atalanta they have won their last five games and if you go over to the stats it's crazy because Kareem Benzema not only has the most goals by two but he also is tied in first for the most assists Kareem Benzema definitely is a Ballon d'Or contender this year so I really hope to see them go somewhere yeah um so also Remember how Real Sociedad was all the way up there, like um, earlier this season. Now they're now they dropped all the way down to fifth, not even qualifying for the championship. Yeah, that's that's pretty big. Did you drop down a lot? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We might see them come up. Uh, you know. Yeah. They're not there yet. Oh yeah. So. Oh, so Atletico Madrid earlier um, on December 4th got beaten by Mallorca, who's a team all the way down in 12th, which is a pretty big surprise. Yeah, we'll see how that league plays out. It's, I don't know, it's first place is pretty far ahead. Uh, yeah. The rest are pretty close, but first place getting points away. ahead, eight points yeah. ahead. Um, so we'll have to see. I think that's pretty much all I want to talk about for La Liga. Yeah. So you want to move on to Bundesliga? Sure. Bundesliga. Um, oh, we were talking about Bayern Munich against Dortmund. Um, Bayern won that game. Very close game, though. I, I don't want to say unfortunately, because, I mean... They did deserve it, but I would like to see Dortmund win since Bayern wins all the time. But Bayern are obviously a better team. Yeah, but it still was a pretty close game, two three. Not a big, not a big loss. No, no, they did really well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that game was very good. That uh, the Dortmund Bayern game, I really enjoyed that game. It went back and forth all game. Um, besides that, Luchin Gladbach loses 6-0 to SC Freiburg. Luchin Gladbach, I believe, was a Champions League team last year. And yeah, they're, they're out here losing to teams 6-0, and they're down in 13. That's bad. Yeah, Luchin Gladbach was a Champions League team in the 2019 to 2020 season. So that's pretty big fall from first. I mean, from like, I don't know. Yeah, I know. Um, other than Premier League, when we went to Premier League, I think that's pretty much done. Yeah. Okay. Let, yeah, let's move on to Premier League now. Premier League, Chelsea's not first anymore. Um, Crazy good game this guy. And like, I want to just. Like yeah. automatically, Federico, what he was saying, Chelsea's not first because of an incredible performance by West Ham. West Ham beat Chelsea three to two, and actually a comeback. The game was back and forth all game. It was such a good game from both teams. Um, kind of like the Bayern Dortmund game, and that puts West Ham now in fourth, right under Chelsea. 
So yeah. Yeah, but still, the the difference between the top three and fourth is pretty big, like six points. I don't really see a lot of movement from like third to fourth, honestly. In these. Yeah, no, it's a pretty big lead. Yeah, I think we can say the same for most of most of the league. Like, like the top three or four have like have around like a six point lead over like the fifth or something. Yeah, no, don't don't see much chaos there. Everything's pretty in control. Yeah. Um. Uh. Is there anything you want to talk about? Any more you want to talk about? Or uh, we can do Europa League because. Oh yeah, we haven't done Europa League yeah, in a they're while. They're playing right now. They're playing right now, actually. Oh yeah, they are. Last match day, so here too. They're at, oh, they're all at halftime right now. Yeah, they are. Nothing. No two big surprises. In the uh, Galatasaray ending up in front of Lazio. Not too surprised. Galatasaray is a good team, but a, a really good, I mean, a really big surprise is that Napoli is not qualifying for the next round behind Spartak, Moscow, and Leicester. That's a pretty big surprise. They're doing amazing in, in Syria. Syria. Yeah, but that's pretty much the only one. Group B, PSV is a pretty good team, but Monaco and Real Sociedad, you know, they're better, so. Yeah. Only Napoli, but if Napoli do, they're tying right now. If they do win, they could go first place. So I hope to see them get through. Yeah. Wait. So is this? Oh yeah, this is the last match day. So yeah. uh, upcoming. There's like one more upcoming. There's like eight more upcoming games, and then um, Europa League moves on to the next stage. Yeah. Um. So we have. So right now. Okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's all I want to talk about for now. For yeah, I think that's it. We can wrap this up. Yeah. Okay. So thanks so much for listening to our podcast. I hope you come back next week. So thank you so much. Keep watching the games. Keep tuning in. And we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Welcome to Everything NBA. I am Reed Deacon. I am your podcast for this podcast. Today I'll be covering news on LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo's return to the lineup, and top fans' deep basketball pickup. Recently, LeBron James was falsely diagnosed with COVID-19 and was put straight into isolation and ruled out a Lakers game against the Sacramento Kings on November 30th. Lakers still ended up winning that game 117-92. Since that win, the Lakers are 0-1 and they stand with a record of 12-12. Seventh in the Western Conference. This is going to be a tough match for Lakers. That's on this, and they played the Celtics. They've already played the Celtics, and they won by 15 points, 117 to 102. Now they're 13 and 12, and they are sixth in the Western Conference. The Lakers totally redeemed themselves in this game. Out, redeemed themselves in this game, off of losing to the Celtics last time they played. Also, when the Lakers played the Celtics for the first time, it was the first game of LeBron James was coming back from his abdomen injury. He wasn't right. So now, 
The second time they played him, he's more healthy, so he's able to play that. Now we will transition over to talking about Giannis' return to the starting lineup. So Giannis was out what left calf soreness, and he wasn't able to play for a good amount of games. Then he came, the game that he returned on, returned to, was the game on his birthday. So that's pretty cool. And he returned having he returned against Cavaliers having 27 points, 12 rebounds. Let's see what's this in 27 minutes. So we averaged a point per minute. So a pretty solid game by Giannis. It's good that he came back on his birthday and 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 helped his team win. Because I mean the Bucks the Bucks did lose yesterday to beat by nine. But I mean the Bucks are still standing in the third seed in the west. I mean third seed in the east. They're doing pretty solid. I mean in the heat game, uh Caleb Martin had twenty eight points. I mean that's probably the most points he's ever scored in his career. Uh, and surprisingly enough, Jim Butler didn't play. So, that's losing to the Heat. By nine points, Jim Butler not playing. That's that's pretty concerning. Giannis only had 15 points. But if Giannis only had 15 points against the Heat, which the Bucks probably going to play the Heat in the playoffs again, I, I think he's only having 15 for 30 those eight minutes. And then they lose by nine? I'm sure how good their depth is because. Chris Middleton had 20, Audi Portis had 18, Drew Holiday had 27, so it was Drew Holiday tonight. Grace Nyland had 8, Constant had 6, Mark Stevens had 0. That was a big pickup for them. He doesn't seem like it is because he has 0 points, but Stevens saw a pickup for them. I think it's good for it's good. I think Lakers should have picked him up because they, they would have had really good depth with them on their team, but Mark Stevens is a good pickup for the Bucks. Barney Hood had 3 points. Bruce Matthews had two, and Javante Smart had five. On the Heat side, Tyler had 22, Martin like I said, had 28. Max Struess, a guy who signed in the summer league, ended up hitting a, a game under that that you saw. He had 16 points. Also, Casey Acapala, never heard of him, uh, had 10 points. PJ Tucker, former team, on chip went. Uh, he had 15 points. Dwayne Dedman, I I I, I play 2K and I, I play every 2K20. I don't have 2K20 all the time, bro. So good, so good. Gabe Vincent, never heard of him. Either. Probably like probably like 20 years old. He had he had three points. So the game. And looking at what a Lakers stand. Lakers are the Lakers are the sixth seed. That's what they're listening tonight. Now on TV. So I mean this is a big for Lakers because they've already beat the Grizzlies one time, but it was and it was with John Morant and they were at home. But now the Grizzlies are on a one game losing streak, but we're on like a five game win streak. And they need to be it's not as if it's the Clippers game that they played, but they need this game. Because if they win it They'll be 14 and 12, and there'll be one game, one loss. Uh, they'll be they'll have one more, one more loss in the Grizzlies half. But not, not how things work is if a team in front of you has one against you, then you, you can't go in front of them unless the record is just terrible. Clippers have been pretty good on two game win streak, so Lakers still playing the game until a bit on a time from now, so. It's a couple of games in front of them, but 
uh, what is it called? JT Martinez made it. So another highlights I did, you know, United versus New York Red Bulls. When, when they tried to go, the goalkeeper saved it, which was one of the most epic tricks that ever happened. Uh, about ever happened in MLS. Thank you, Mohammed. Uh, Kevin. Uh, on October 16, 2021, Tigres played with Chris Azul. Um, Tigres had a lucky day after hitting the ball with post and bounce until it scored a goal. It was a tight one to one. All right. Thank you, Kevin. Now, with the latest news, Barcelona not making it to the round of 16. This is a very big turn of events with Ben Fica beating Donovan Savini, Chizero. And the reason why they, they are advancing is because they have beaten Barca. They have beaten Barca in one game. Now, a lot of Barca fans are going to be really mad about this. And they're going to strive. But you cannot blame Xavi for this. I mean, you're looking at one of the best teams um, in all of Europe right now. It's Bayern Munich. I mean, Bayern Munich won it when we were, even when we had Messi, Suarez, and all these good players, we still lost. Barca still lost 8-2. to two. So you really have to think, oh, did, is Xavi, is, is it really Xavi's fault? No, it's Kuman's fault. He lost, he lost against Benfica. He, lost, he almost lost every single game. He lost against 3-0 against Byron, right? We should have done. And he he really was. He made some bad choices, a lot of bad choices. Dior. Yeah. Who is your favorite uh, soccer team? Uh, Barcelona. Barcelona, say. Uh, um, Muhammad, right now uh, I'm, I'm finishing the play. Okay. So Barcelona coming coming third place is very big job for a lot of teams, even if they are in the best shape. I mean, Xavi has a lot of work to do. I understand that they're not going to win the Champions League. I never, I didn't think they were going to win. But I mean, when I'm, a lot of Barca fans cannot be mad at Xavi. And I mean, it's Bayern Munich. But I think they may even be the best. I mean, Robert Lewandowski is a beast. He scores um, a goal, two or three goals almost every single match. And you have Leroy Sané, who scored a banger goal. Beautiful. And you have Alfonso Davies, the best, the best left back in his, the best fullback in his, in my opinion. He, he just, I mean, you should have seen uh, the third goal. I mean, he completely took, he completely took out the right back for Barca. All right. I don't know how to pronounce his name. He completely, he, he literally, and now he literally, he, he literally, what I'm trying to say is that he did him dirty. But a lot of people are protesting that the third goal should have not been allowed. The third goal, actually, I even saw it. The third goal went outside. I think they should have done VAR, uh, which is very mad. 
which is angers me for that third goal. But now we go to Messi scoring his fifth goal, his fifth goal for PSG. He scored another brace for for PSG, which is very, which means he's coming back. I mean, uh, Messi did, Messi has had a very very bad season so far. I mean, but his uh his Argentina stats are good. I mean, he scored one goal in Liga One now two. He's played. He's played nine matches in Liga One, scored one, which is very bad. I expect better for him. And then for five matches in the Champions League, he scored five goals, which is really good for Champions League. Uh, PSG won four, four one. Kylian Mbappe scored two, one in the second, and one in the seventh. Then Kuba Baraji, uh, scored, scored in the eighty. Matt. It, Matt Rich scored in the 68th minute. With final Messi scoring in the 38th and the in the 76th for my penalty. This is all the day, folks. I'm Leo Futa, and this is Global Soccer. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Inside the Diamond. Uh, these are your hosts. I am Reed Flowers. I am Jackson McPhail. Rafael Moyo. And Moyo Matheson. And thank, and thank you for coming to our podcast. Um, first thing, big thing to talk about. Um, Obviously, the MLB lockout, uh, that's big. That's a big problem. Hopefully, that doesn't run in the spring training and uh, all the free agents will get signed during the offseason. But, uh, yeah, let's talk about the reasons for it. Um, It says that there are multiple – there are two reasons. and those reasons are the first one is that players are looking for wait i need to find it yeah so this lockout stays till february uh spring trainings gonna be delayed a bit and maybe even uh, opening game. Opening game. Yes. Um, there. I cannot find. But yes, the MLB lockout. It's it's not not a good thing for fans, players. They're not allowed to. Other teams are not allowed to talk to uh, players, and not even their own team. They're not allowed to talk about trades or free agencies or any of that, um, which is not good at all. Um, Yeah, the MLB lockout is very, that's kind of tragic. I mean, players, this is is supposed to be a very exciting offseason. But um, that 
did not. I guess that won't work out if this continues. So the lockout is for two reasons. One being players are talking about massive changes to the structure of the game, as in rules and um, the whole juiced ball, juiced and dead balls. We'll get into that later. And um, yeah. And, yeah. and for the lot, nobody knows how long it will last because previous MLB lockouts have taken like a couple of hours to like a really long time as well. So there's just really no idea when it will end. Yeah, it's a bit. The, the, the so, um, yeah, the secondly, the second reason being that the December 1st deadline uh, doesn't put enough pressure on either side to get a deal done. So that, um, so uh, that means that there's, it's, there's just no rush and that teams can offer other players, the players that they had been planning on getting bigger contracts and kind of ruining what they had planned. And so, Quicker contracts causes um, more excitement and less waiting for the fans and for everything. Um, and yeah, and that's it. But yeah, that's pretty bad for all the big free agencies and the players have to wait and the fans have to wait. So it's not great. And then also the juiced ball situation. Uh, Rob Manfred announced that they would be using two different types of balls, the dead balls that they were that uh, that they were using last year and the year before. Oh, and they also were using the juice balls, and they um, and yeah, and the players did not approve because n- nobody really knew. Oh, and th- and they were kind of um, tweaking it, as in as in for bigger games they would use the juice balls, like the. Um, like the game uh, in Iowa at the cornfield, that was uh, they used juice balls, which caused more home runs, more fan attraction, um, more things, just like that. And um, and just like bigger games, they would use the juice balls. And for not interesting, just middle of the season, regular season games, they would use the dead balls, which was caused a lot of feud between players and. Um, Rob Manfred and fans didn't like it, uh, until, but fans didn't really know about it until uh, just recently uh, because Rob Manfred had announced that he's been doing this. But um, that's a big, that's a problem. I, I, I don't think that's what they should be doing because the, their reasoning for it is that they have leftover dead balls, um, or that those are the ones yeah, they have leftover dead balls and leftover juiced balls, and that the factory hasn't been making as much new balls for because of the pandemic, and so they ended up having to use previous leftover ones from previous years, and it just turned into chaos. And that's where we're at right now with that situation. That's a another reason for the um, lockout. That's not ideal. Um, yeah, there's not much more to talk about, but oh yeah, I think the lockout is gonna be changing like the business side of baseball, like a lot. 
Yeah, probably. These things are never always just on the business side because it's the corporations in the end that decide decide all of it. Not the players. Yeah. Um, there's not much more to talk about in MLB. Uh, short episode, but I think that's all we have for this week. Uh, once again, thank you for listening. These are your hosts. I am Reed Flowers. Jackson McPhail. Rafael Arroyo. And William Matheson. And thank you for watching at Inside the Diamond. Hello and welcome to um, Season 2, Episode 8 of MLB on the Line. Um, I'm your... Um, I'm joined with um, Jack Botros, I'm joined with Harris Mann, Isaac Allison, and Connor McSorley. Today we'll be discussing the various trades happening all around MLB. As as you all know, the regular season and postseason has ended with the um, with the Braves winning the World Series, and we are going to go a little more in depth with a little bit like of everyone's season recap. We didn't really do that yet, and we are also going to talk about a few prospects. Um, Let's start off with the Juan Soto trade. Harris, you want to explain a little more about that? Yeah, Juan Soto just got traded to, I think, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. Am I right? Yeah, the Tampa Bay Rays. Right? Am I right? Am I, yeah, I'm yes, sure. I believe so. Yeah, that's like that's a huge improvement to the uh, Tampa Bay Rays because they already have a really good outfield and a good infield. And they have a good pitching staff with new players coming up and making it big. Also, they're they're also giving in really good hitting, and they have one of the lowest payrolls in baseball, which makes it even more impressive. I think this is making them uh like they could do something like in 2020, uh, but I think they could win it this uh, in 2022 because uh the Royals now have I think in my opinion maybe besides the Dodgers the best outfield in baseball. I mean besides the uh, Braves, uh the best outfield in baseball. But that could really change at any moment because some players in the Braves could leave or get injured. But and the Rays, same thing with them. So I think that yeah, the Rays, right. I mean, with Juan Soto, the Rays, the Rays made really, really good deals this yeah. uh, like winter. And so well, I think that they're gonna go far. Yeah, you're right. And while Juan Soto may not be the best fielder, his hitting was almost godlike last season, and that will really bring the uh, Rays up because. They needed one more spark because they had a Rosarena. He was in a little bit of legal trouble last year. Um, Kiermaier is kind of getting old in the outfield. And while they won't be able to produ- um, produce that stellar defense anymore, Juan Soto is a great hitter. And adding that to a lineup like the Rays, they're going to go far next year, especially since they have one of the lowest payrolls in baseball. Um, yeah, and then um, let's do a recap of this season because – it's so we started off with the Giants having the best record in baseball and blowing everyone out of the water. Then the Dodgers came back and took that record, and then the then the Giants took it back. So in the NL, that was uh, it was just a fight for dominance there, and the Dodgers ended up having to go to the wild card as the second best team in the MLB. So that was a real surprise, especially like since the season they had. I think maybe move one of the teams in the NL to the AL. And switch another because because of like that because 
the way, how many stack penalties there are. There are a lot of AL teams, but none of them have been producing in the past couple of years. So that's something. Also, um, in, there have been national teams winning almost every year recently. Um, this year we had the Braves. Last year we had the Dodgers. Yeah, can I talk about that? We had the Nationals. Yeah, can I talk about that? I think that the National League has way, way better pitching and almost as good pitching as almost as good hitting as the American League. And I think that the American League, I mean, I think that the uh, National League is going to keep winning uh, because their pitching is just so good. And I'm, and I actually think that the National League is going to win the next World Series and the next chapter because they are just such good teams right now. They haven't won an All-Star game forever, though. Yeah, although you've got so many superstars from the AL, it's just they're not grouped on the right team. So if someone has to make a bold move, in my opinion, if they want to do that. Um, Harris, what are your thoughts on the um, on the Mets' new offense? How do you feel that's going to affect? Especially, with yeah, the, uh, I think that the Mets are going to really up their game today, and uh, they are going to make big, big wins. Last year they had good teams, but they were not good at all. I'm pretty sure that the Mets are going to like do really good this weekend. Yeah, uh, Isaac, what are your thoughts on the Juan Soto trade? Isaac, what are your thoughts on the Juan Soto trade to the Rays? That was really good, probably for the Rays. It was an all out. What were your thoughts on the trade? How did you feel about? Can you repeat that? You keep breaking up. How do you feel that will affect the Rays next year? Uh, it will probably affect them majorly because he was a pretty good player. Yeah, you're talking about one of the MVP candidates last year. Connor, what are your thoughts on the trade? I think they get a they I think it was a good trade. Okay. Um, Do you think that the trade could have been for like a better pitcher or like a uh, a utility infielder? Uh, um. I don't know. Okay. Um. Now that we have um. That, that now that we have those trades under the back, um, are there any prospects you guys would like to share? I mean, uh, wait, no, there's still one more trade. Yeah, I want to save those for next because now that the trades are slowing down, our segments won't have a lot of them. So we've got to oh, yeah, no, the MLB went on strike for the first time since 1990. Uh, that was very scary because in 1990 we lost a lot of our season, and I don't want it to end up like uh, 2020, but I luckily the strike's I think long, right. Yeah, Harris, you want to go in depth of why they went on the strike? Oh, actually, I don't even know why they went on strike. I well, think MLB, I bet it was because they didn't get the salary or like the money funded to them, so they want 
So they just, I'm going to stop working until we get something. And then they probably just, like, compromised on something. And I bet that's what ended it up. I think that may be private, so I don't know. Yeah, it was a private salary salary which means they weren't getting enough money. So. Yeah, they weren't getting enough money. So. Yeah. And especially um, when COVID hit, that probably really affected it. Yeah, okay, and then the last thing I want to go, the last thing I want to go into depth is the Cleveland Indians won the I mean, I mean, yeah. that's the Guardians are a great name, but why do you need a switch? There's nothing racist going on there. Wait, what did you say? The name is kind of, uh, oh yeah, the switch. Yeah, the name yeah. switch. The Guardians, or the Indians are now the Guardians. I think that's a good change. Like, I don't really think it's going to affect it anymore. I mean, yeah, there wasn't really any racism. No, it was, it was because it was, had an Indian. It was, like, it was against, like, it was, like, it was offensive Native American. Yeah, I think it's not yeah, really, I don't know, like, I don't know, I don't know why people are, like, some people are freaking out about the name change. I don't think it really matters because it looks kind of the same as the Indians logo, and you're still getting the same team, the same stadium, so. And I bet people are still going to call them the Indians. Yeah. Connor, are your thoughts on the new change? Connor? Uh, Can you repeat what you said? What are your thoughts on the Cleveland Indians switching their name to the Guardians? It was like they should have kept it just as Indians. People are going to call them the Indians either way, even though they change. So I don't really see how they. Yeah. Uh, I think that yeah, we should wrap it up there. Wrapping up. Um, uh, this was and we'll be on the line with John Butros, Isaac Allison, and Connor McSorley signing off. Signing off. Thank you. Bye. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to NFL Bust of the Week with me, Matthew, Noah, Fawhead, and Cole. This week, we're going over the Ravens, Steelers. 49ers, Seahawks, and Vikings, Lions. The first game is Ravens versus Steelers. This was a 20-19 victory for the Steelers and went to like uh, the last play of the game. Uh, Deontay Johnson, receiver for the Steelers, had a great game catching two touchdowns, although he did drop um, one right before the end of the first half. But his game was uh, pretty great. He really helped them secure the win. Go ahead. And so now if we look over at quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson did not have his best of games with 253 uh, with 253 yards and one touchdown. He also threw an interception. And Ben Roethlisberger is looking a lot better through two touchdowns this game. Finally, he's starting to improve. This was um, the Ravens lost the game barely. They went for two at the end of the game to stop the overtime, which I think was a pretty bad idea. And also on the Ravens side, Devontae Freeman had a pretty good game. You know, finally he's starting to pop back up again, starting to do a little bit good. He got 45 yards, but off of five, uh, 45 yards for receiving and 52 yards for rushing. So he's starting to do pretty good again. Uh, and I'm going to pass it to Cole now. Yeah, speaking of that Lamar Jackson, Devontae Freeman thing, Lamar Jackson, yes, has been declining over the past couple games. 
in the past five games, he's had seven TDs and eight interceptions. He's had 13 interceptions in the entire season. So I'm pretty sure Baltimore um, coordinators are trying to rush the ball a little more. Should probably watch Devonta Freeman is getting a little more ball, a little more ball handling these past couple games. He was barely getting anything in the first couple games because Devonta, sorry, because um, Lamar Jackson was so dominant with rushing, but now he's just getting more. As you know, each action has an equal and opposite reaction. Right now, the action is Lamar Jackson getting a little worse in the reaction. It's Devonta Freeman getting a little more ball touches. I think the, the Steelers' defense is really good. The TJ Watt got six tackles, um, 3.5 sacks, and then Mika Fitzpatrick got one interception. And this really, the defense really helped the team uh, secure the win. Yeah, so the next game we're going to talk about is 49ers versus Seahawks. The Seahawks finally got a win. And against a pretty good team, the 49ers. The 49ers were in the playoff picture, but after this loss, they're now um, just in the hunt. Seahawks 30-23. Russell Wilson, coming off that finger injury, looks like he's finally starting to get back into his regular form. Tyler Lockett, pretty good game. Seven for 70 and a touchdown. Metcalf also had his most receiving yards in a while, which is only 60. But it looks like Seattle's getting back on track. Maybe they can even uh, make a late playoff push. Now, we can't really talk all great about Seattle. No, they did win the game. But uh, Gerald Everett did fumble twice and caused an interception. So they're going to have to work on that. He caused an interception, which fortunately for them, they got a safety to tie the game after that. But they could have led. Good thing they won. Um, And something is... Travis Homer at the beginning of the game, a uh, fake punt for a touchdown. I don't think they expected a touchdown. Uh, I think they just expected first, but had a got a touchdown. And Jimmy Garoppolo had also a pretty bad game with two interceptions. Uh, he did have two touchdowns and about 300 yards, but with the two, the two interceptions really just, you know, lost all of that. Yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised, though, that the San Francisco 49ers didn't win this game. I'd say they actually did better than Seattle overall. They just couldn't pull out the touchdown at the end there. I mean, George Kittle, for example, got 181 yards and two TDs. The highest receiver on the Seattle team only had 68 yards and one TD. And also, the even though Jimmy Garoppolo did pretty bad, they did actually pretty good overall compared to Seattle. Seattle, of course, had those turnovers. And I'm going to hand it off to Noah now. Okay, George Kittle had a monster game with... um, George Kittle had a monster game with five... Wait, five... No, no, five times. 181 yards and two touchdowns. Um, George Kittle got more yards they would have secured the victory. Yeah, George Kittle was uh, really good. Next, we're going to move on to uh, the the Lions' first win. They won this game on a last-second touchdown from Jared Goff. The team overall looked pretty good, forced a few turnovers. Jared Goff had three touchdowns, but he did have one interception. 
He passed 40 times, only completing 25, but he did get to 300 yards. Without DeAndre Swift, the Lions relied heavily on Jamal Williams, and he was pretty effective with 17 for 71 yards, and he caught a few passes. Yes, finally the Lions won a game. It's really happy to think about this now. And so to talk about the good things on both sides, Justin Jefferson had an amazing game with 182 um, yards and on 11 receptions and a touchdown. And then St. Brown for the Detroit Lions also had a pretty good game with 86 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the Lions defense really pulled it out when they needed it. Uh, they prevented the Vikings from three two-point attempts. If the Vikings had got those, then they would have obviously won the game. Uh, it was a last-second touchdown by the Lions. And everyone, it was just a great game by the Lions and just an un, unfortunate loss for the Vikings. Yeah, once again, it's real happy to see the Lions win their first game. They had been working pretty hard all season. They would come close plenty of times, including an OT loss a couple weeks back. Um, but the last drive of this game, sorry, last two drives of this game were pretty crazy, and it just showed how much Detroit wanted to win this game. They gave up a TD with, I think, two minutes left to Minnesota to be down by, I think, seven. And then they drove downfield, and like we said, with a couple of seconds remaining, put it in the bag, and won their first game of the season. No? Yeah, I think the, the even uh, if they got a, the, their first one of the season, I think they still don't have a chance of going to the playoffs because if they go undefeated, they, they will still um, still not have a chance. So, I don't know. Like, Lions, if they, if they, if they improve next year, they might have a, a chance of... I have a chance of going to the playoffs. So with that, I'll say goodbye to you guys. Uh, thanks for listening, and see you next week. Welcome to NFL Top News. Starting your host, Rustin Goshen. Today we are brought with your co-hosts, Ibrahim and Bodhi. First things first, we're going to talk about the Texans. Texans. We're in Houston right now, so two and ten. Worst football team I've ever seen. The Lions are probably better. Um Lions won, and I will leave that to Bodie. We'll leave that to Bodie to talk about. But back on Texans, they lost thirty-one to zero to the Colts. We have a seven and six record. The Dolphins are actually bringing up their game. They beat the Giants twenty to nine. They were, uh, they said they were set to be the worst in the Texans earlier in the season. And now look at them. Earlier, like a couple months ago, we were talking about how Deshaun Watson wanted to go to the, wanted to go to the Dolphins. Now that trade never happened. I've never heard any. <laughs> I haven't heard any rumors about it afterwards. Now the Cowboys Saints game. Um, now that Jameis Winston is hurt, uh, the new the new quarterback is pretty bad. They lost to the Cowboys, which the Cowboys are actually pretty good this year. 
They're eight and four. Well, the Saints are only five and seven. Um, pretty easy game. Next is the Jets versus the Eagles. Eagles are just a mid team. They're just not that good. Six and seven. They beat the Jets three to like or three and nine. 33-18. Just have a pretty good offense. I think it's just a defense that's lacking. Next is the Cardinals. The Cardinals, they're one of the best teams in the NFL right now. They beat the Bears 33-22. to Andy Dalton is terrible. Um, the Bears are 4-8. I don't see them going anywhere near the playoffs in a couple of years. Cardinals, I could see them as a top contender of the Super Bowl. Pretty much for a couple of years. Now, Chargers versus Bengals. Bengals were supposed to be pretty good. These two were two pretty even teams, and it was going to be a good game. But the Chargers won forty-one to twenty-two, which I was kind of surprised. I thought it'd be a bit closer, but it was a good game. I watched it pretty good. And last one I'm going to talk about before I get to Bodie is the Buccaneers versus the Falcons. This game was. Pretty much a blowout. The first quarter, I don't know what was going on. Um, Tom Brady just kind of just drove it to the touchdown, and that kind of set the tone for the game. Buccaneers won 30 to 17. That's all for me today. On to Bodie. Then also, their other head coach also got his first ever win with the Lions. So they uh, run a losing streak of uh, 10 games, which is really bad. Like, that is terrible. Um, the Vikings, um, one of the reasons why they did uh, – well, Kirk Cousins had a good game. He went 30 for 40 with 340 yards and two touchdown passes. It's just that uh, Jeff, Jeff, Justin Jefferson only – I mean, he had 11 catches, 182 uh, yards, and his average was 16.5. And have one receiving touchdown, but that's like all right. But uh, the Lions really just showed out with a with a last second touchdown pass to the end zone from uh, uh, from their QB to their wide receiver, and it was uh, pretty cool. I'm pretty sure it's a tight end that he that he passed it. From the score was uh sixteen to seventeen. Um, the it was a it was a pretty interesting. The yeah, um, the total yards that the Saints no that the uh, that the uh, Viking had to it. Total yards that the Viking had was four hundred twenty-eight total yards, and the the Lions had three hundred seventy-two. Oh wait, I was reading the uh, number wrong. It was actually twenty-seven to twenty-nine. That's a game uh, above it. The uh, the Vikings had more yards, uh, but the line still overcame some, and uh, I came up with the win with the victory with um, the 29-27. The Vikings still averaged 6.0 yards, and then the Lions only had 5.2, and they still had, and they still lost the game. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how bad you had to be or any of that. They both punted three times, and the, the penalties, I guess. Well, the Vikings had seven penalties. Maybe that was the reason why they were so bad this game, because that's uh, pretty bad. Um, they had the exact same amount of plays ran, and then that their their fourth down efficiency was pretty bad. Both teams, one and three, and then zero and one. 
It's really bad. Um, they both had a, well, uh, the Lions had 23 first downs and the Vikings had 26 first downs. And uh, yeah, I thought, that, I thought that was a good game and how uh, I actually feel good for the Lions, how they actually finally won the game and how the head coach finally got a team after coming from a different team, I'm pretty sure, or maybe from college football. Uh, yeah, Fabram. Uh, yeah. Uh, hello. I'll be talking. Uh, I'm Ibrahim, and today I'll be talking about the Patriots versus the Bills. Um, the New England Patriots uh, survive a hostile environment to celebrate their seventh straight win. They're going up against the Bills in a pivotal AFC East matchup. The Patriots won 14 to 10 behind an impressive run game outing and a defense d- defense successfully shutting down one of the most potent offenses in the game. The game between New England and Buffalo was a close affair, and the new numbers reflect this. No team has a clear edge in any category, with the Bills actually uh, actually more effective in earning first downs and sustaining drives. So, you know, the Bills are kind of like an L team, but, um, yeah, anyways. Um, uh, however, the Patriots play, played a bend-don't-break type of game yet again. While they allowed their opponent to reach the end zone four times, only and only one of those was converted into a touchdown. In total, the Bills only scored 10 points in Ten, uh, only ten points in part due to its kicker missing a field goal attempt, and in part due to England's defense coming up in big crucial moments. Uh, Mac Jones' day primarily consisted of uh, of handling the ball off to his running back. That said, the rookie was asked to throw the ball a grand total of uh, three times. So yeah, they're kind of a mid team, as I said earlier. Yeah, like L team, they're kind of mid. And um. You know, uh, in a game they played, a, uh, especially this game, they played in challenging conditions because the Patriots relied on their running game to get the job done against the Dallas defense. They delivered in total New England. They delivered in total New England. New England attempting 44 non-Neodon carries, which For 230 yards and an average of 5.2 yards per attempt. While the group had multiple important plays, the biggest team came. Big, the biggest team came right in the first quarter. Three plays after recovering a Josh Allen from Damien Harris to get handoff on third and. <laughs> on 35, 64 yards into the end zone. The team then added a two-point conversion <laughs> via Brandon Baldwin run. Uh, that's it for me. Uh, I'll give it to Rustin. <laughs> that, that's it for NFL. <laughs>
11 rebounds, 11 assists, one steal, and no blocks. Um, I think, uh, on my personal opinion, uh, I think Joel Embiid is too emotional and he just gets upset about everything. Uh, and I think that Rudy Gobert, he, uh, he's good at defense, but he's not a good all-around player. Uh, Sean, what do you think? <coughs> I think Rudy Gobert is better. Yes, it's better, you know. Why do you think that? Because, first, he's a French professional. Like, how, how, because he's French, and he still competes with the top guys in the USA. And he played for the Wizards, so he's better than you. <laughs> okay. Um, Isa, what Tom, do you Rudy think? Rudy Gobert never played for the Wizards. No. No, he did not. All right, uh, Issa, what do you think about um, your favorite player out of the three? Well, I mean, the person I think is best would probably be Nikola Jokic, but um, Joel Embiid is also, if we're using those three, he'd probably be the second best player. He's a good mix of defense and offense, averaging almost two blocks and 25 points his career, whereas Gobert is very much defense-oriented, averaging over two blocks and only 12 points for his career, and Nikola Jokic being more on the offensive side with 26 points and not one block a game. But... Would you go for He's 7-1. Taller. Faster. Better. Um, oh, wow. I, would, I would not say he's faster. And for Joel Embiid, his stats for 2021 are he gets 24.5 points per game. Um, his three-point shot percentage is 40%, 11.1 rebounds, 4.3 assists, 0.9 steals and 1.5 blocks, which is, uh, I would say, um, if you have about a block per game, that's pretty good, because uh, those can come in clutch when you need them. Yeah, center should be, all of them should be pretty good at defense and rebounding. Those are the two things the center should be best at. Mm-hmm. Offense is really just an added bonus at that point, but you have players like Embiid and Jokic that can play both defense and offense. That's just a steal of a center. Um, yeah, I would say, like, teammates-wise, I don't think Joel Embiid is on the top. Uh, he's got Ben Simmons, who, in my opinion, is just absolute trash, and they don't really have great shooters on the 76ers, um, except for a little bit of Joel Embiid. Um, Sean, what do you think about uh, Nikola Jokic or, um, what's his name, Rudy Gobert's teammates? Uh, so Rudy Gobert, he's kind of the best. I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm, he's just the best. Like, <coughs> <coughs> sorry, I'm sick. I mean, he plays a lot. I know, like, yeah. Um, Nikola Jokic has Bogdan Bogdanovic on his team. Oh, Dombo, huh? <laughs> um, Bogdan Bogdanovich, he's a great shooter on the Denver Nuggets. 
they also have uh, Jamal Murray, which are two good teammates. All right, Sean, you were going to tell us a joke. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, so. Yeah, Sean, go on with the joke. I'll have a joke. But I'll... you told us you wanted to tell the joke. Oh, one say. Oh, wait, Adam, who are you doing again? I'm doing Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic, more like Nikola no catch because he gets no rebounds. Oh my god, that was the best joke. I was actually <laughs> that was a good joke, I swear. And that was yeah, only a good joke gets because like, it was a bad joke. He actually gets like ten rebounds a game, so that joke isn't even accurate. It is well, very inaccurate. That's the point of the joke. So you're saying the joke is that it's not a joke, so that's why it's funny. I'm going to give you all the information. I already got it. <laughs> okay. It was born June 1992. Age, 29 years. Born in St. Quentin, France. Height, 7'1". Wingspan, 7'9". Weight, 245 pounds. Shoe size, men's 20. Current team, Utah Jazz. Number 27 in the center ranking. You know what I'm saying? So, France. Wow, Sean. You know a lot about Rudy Gobert. His parents as Rudy, I can't pronounce the last name, and then Corin Kareem Gulpit. So, yeah. I did my research. Um, uh, Sean, has Rudy Gobert ever been in the Olympics? I'm not sure because when they had the Olympics, they had like every when they finally allowed pro players to go to the Olympics for basketball, they put like every single heavy hitter in their team. I'm not sure if Michael Jordan was on that team though. Um, Issa, do you know who's been playing for longer out of the three? Um, I think it was either Jokic or Gobert, but I yeah. think Joel Embiid was like Joel Embiid gets injured year? a lot. Yeah, he does get injured a lot. And um, Nikola Jokic is the youngest player, I think. Yeah, he's, at, he's like 26 or something. 29, I said that. No, 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 Jokic. Oh, 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 my God, my God. And, but to me, I think Gobert will be playing longer. Um, Even though his see. game is very physical. Rudy Gobert uh, started playing in his career 2011 in the NBA. And let's see, Nikola Jokic. Oh, gosh. Um, Nikola Jokic has been in the NBA since 2012. So Rudy Gobert has been in for one year longer. Um, and I think one year makes a difference. It's just like, if you have more experience, like you know the game better, in my opinion. I don't know. Uh, Sean, what do you think about having like a lot of experience? Like, how does that, like, well, how's that good for you? If you, have, if you have a lot of experience, you're gonna play better than the other people. Obviously, you have more training and you have more, you have more time into the game. Because if this is right, Rudy Goper has 569 minutes in on court.
Guys, did you know that Rudy Gobert has his own food bank? That's one of his accomplishments. I think that's pretty cool. Was it called Gopher Bank? It is called Rudy Gobert's Perfect Coconut Chicken. Wait, no, sorry, my bad. That's a different one. It's called Zero Hunger Hero. That <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I don't know. And like, I guess generally, like knowing what to do, IQ with basketball. I think Nikola Jokic would be better. I think Rudy Gobert is better. No, he doesn't really know like how to. Uh, you can't hear me. Oh, I can hear him perfectly. What, you can hear me? I can hear you. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I think Rudy Gobert just like doesn't know what to do as as good as Nikola Jokic, like what to do in tight situations. Okay. That's fair. I think that wraps it up for this segment. I'm Sean Allen. I'm, I'm Adam. And I'm Adam Gospin, and thank you for uh, listening to our podcast. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time for another episode of One Hour School Wide.